Clark with Epic Site Solutions. Thank you for joining the program here today. We're going to talk about a couple things, of course. We're going to talk about the event coming up, the big cook-off happening a week from Thursday down in the Permian Basin, but also talk about just some boots-on-the-ground activity because you're not only involved with the – oh, boy, I'm, I'm awful at these acronyms, so if I mess them up, I do apologize. But not only are you involved with the uh, Oilfield Connections International, but also you're the president of the – no, membership president of the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. That is correct. So I'm a member of both, and then, yes, uh, membership chair for the Pipeliners. Okay. All right. So we do want to talk about the cook-off uh, coming up a week from Thursday. But first, let's get a little update, boots on the ground, because, you know, you're an epic business, man. You're, you're in a lot of different areas around the uh, Permian Basin. So what, what, what are you seeing out there, boots on the ground? So I'm actually, um, it's been really positive the last couple of weeks. Seems like a lot more uh, quotes are going out, a lot of bidding. There's uh, actually some projects being awarded. I'm in the equipment industry, so I represent uh, two companies. One's your smaller commercial equipment. The other's your heavy machinery and cranes. And, um, you know, my phone's not ringing as much as I would like, but it's definitely ringing a lot more than it was the first of the year. So I, I'm hopeful for March, April, we're really going to see a pickup out here. Um, and hopefully that carries it out for the rest of the year. And we keep seeing oil prices rise a little bit and uh, everything kind of gets back to normal. Well, I did hear there's some positive momentum. That's what I heard. And that's kind of what I look for because, you know, after listening in the Bakken, we heard for for about five years, we kept hearing, you know, the positive, positive, positive. And then it's just, you know, some people, you, you got to just fend for yourself, you know, and that sort of thing. You can only hear about the positive intentions so long. But what you're telling me is there's at least positive momentum going. It's not as quick and as fruitful as you'd like, but at least the positive momentum means that you're moving in the right direction, you know, and that's that's important. That's really important, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, I think, I think we'll see some of the operators, you know, some of the larger ones, I think everybody's been a little afraid to spend, spend a lot of money on new construction. And, you know, it's a lot of uh, integrity and maintenance work right now. But I think once one or two of the major operators bust loose, uh, you'll see that trend, you know, kind of follow throughout the operators. And we all know it starts with them. So as soon as they, uh, obviously, as soon as they start putting work out there, you know, pipeline companies get busy, facility guys, construction guys, and it just all kind of trickles down from there. Let's transition into the cook-off that's happening. Is it March 11th? Is that right? March 11th to Thursday? It is, yeah. So we were originally had it scheduled for the 13th on a Saturday, but with that being the uh, weekend before spring break, we thought it would be hard for a lot of people that would be traveling to make it out. So we decided to move it to Thursday, uh, pretty much an all-day event. Um, we've got the cook-off. Teams will be out there setting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. We'll pretty much go until 6 p.m. that evening. We've got a lot of operators signed up that are going to be out there, and we're still looking for more cooking teams. I mean, it's, it's not too late to get signed up. I know it's the week of, but uh, we're always looking to uh, add to that up until the day of the event. So... It's going to be good, though. I'm excited. It's our first cook-off, and I think it's going to be a, a big success. 
Is this for industry? Is this for the general public? Is this for, you know, I mean, just for you guys that are cookers? T- talk to me about, you know, who's uh, available to come and that sort of thing. No, that's one of the things I like about our Pipeliners Association. I mean, we are pretty much open to the public, um, every industry. We try to create a unique uh, networking opportunity, and we do have several, um, obviously, Pipeliners in the organization. That's what it was founded on, but... But no, we're not anything specific. I mean, anybody from any industry can come. It's, it's open to the public. Um, you know, we really just want to have a good event, get a lot of people out there and out of the office for the day and, you know, kind of create an uh, easygoing networking atmosphere for everybody. Now, I heard one of the magic words, operators, and I've been to enough conferences to know that the people running conferences try very hard to get operators to come. And there's a variety of reasons for that, but you know, a lot of times the operators are the ones that start the trickle down of business. And you mentioned, you know, you highlighted that you've got some operators that are coming. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Are you guys doing anything special or is just the fact that you guys have operators special enough? <laughs> no, no, man. We so that's a big push. Our president, Adam Perkins, um, you know, that was something that him and I discussed whenever I took over as membership chairs. We wanted to really push and grow our operator base within the organization for several reasons. Like you said, it's uh, it's not just one reason, but there's several. We feel like they obviously bring a lot of value. Um, and like you said, it kind of starts with them. And so, you know, uh, creating those relationships with them allows us to have a lot more access to information that can benefit everybody within the organization. So... We're doing some specials for them. We're um, actually a lot of our operators are going to be, as our guests, are going to be our judges as well. Um, so we've given them a couple of different perks, I guess would be the easiest way to phrase it, to uh, try to entice them to join up. And the uh, membership team that we put together that I work with, um, all, all rock stars, they're all in sales. They... Um, have relationships with these operators. They sell to these operators and they've worked in the pipeline industry for years and years. So we were kind of selective on who we put on our membership team for the purpose of helping us gain traction in the operator side. So we're trying to, you know, come at it in all angles and, and, you know, be respectful of them when they're at our events. We don't want them being hounded and we don't want them to, to feel like we're just tossing them out to the wolves because everybody's going to want to come, you know, try to introduce themselves and their companies and sell things and all that. So we're trying to be very, uh, I guess, uh, strategic in how we're doing it. Kind of a VIP area, huh? That is exactly what we set up. We did set up a VIP access area um, where we actually sold another bundle to be allowed to go into the VIP access area with them just to try to keep that down and, you know, try to keep them from uh, just being bombarded by everybody, as bad as that sounds. Are we going to have velvet ropes or are we going to have armed security guards? Which, how, how, what level of VIP? I'm just kidding. All right. I was going to say, it's Texas. I wouldn't be surprised. We'll probably have a couple. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying they're even going to be sanctioned armed security guards. They might just be there. So. Yeah, exactly. This is Texas. What kind of cooking are we ex- expecting there? I mean, I um, I guess originally a chili cook-off was in my mind because it was a Texas thing, but uh, 
when we were talking earlier, it sounds like there's going to be ribs and chicken and all kinds of things, huh? Yeah, so uh, we're going to be doing different contests. So we will have your ribs, your chicken, specialty side dishes, I believe brisket as well. Um, so, we, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a pretty wide variety as far as what we're going to, um, you know, have the judges judge on. Okay, and then the, you mentioned the judges. Uh, are people going to know who the judges are? Are they going to be secret judges? Is there going to be, like, uh, different levels or prizes or uh, people's choice or anything like that? So, um, no, don't know who the judges are. We'll have a section, um, which is pretty much our VIP section, um, where the operators will be hanging out. So the operators, we've got a couple of different ones, Energy Transfer, Enterprise, New Star, Good Night, Three Bear. Um, you know, there's other ones that are slipping my mind right now. But, but they're going to be our judges, and, yeah, they'll be in their own little section there. But people will know who the judges are, yes, sir. Now, we're just a little more than a week out, about, I don't know, seven days, eight days, depending on which calendar you're looking at. Uh, are you still looking for sponsors? Do you, do you need, you know, any sort of uh, uh, volunteers, just kind of what, what, you know, kind of a last chance for a shout-out and, and that sort of thing for anything you guys might need at this uh, Permian uh, Pipeliners cook-off? Well, we're still looking for uh, booth sponsors. We're still looking for uh, cooking teams. I mean, really, it's a large venue. We're um, able to uh, set up and have several different booths and cooking teams, and space really isn't going to be a problem. We haven't set a number on, like, a max number or anything like that. So we're always looking to uh, continue to add more people to it. Um, As you know, with our association, we – we raise funds for uh, scholarships and for trade schools. And so, you know, the more the merrier, you know, the more money we can raise, you know, goes back into our, uh, our scholarship fund. And then obviously more uh, young men and women were able to help uh, get through their college years. Well, and you guys are really kind of being a sustainable force for your industry then, because if, if you're helping people move into the trades, that's exactly what the pipeliners need. And there's been, you know, for a long time, the trades kind of had a stigma to it. You know, the two-year schools and the trades, it's been changing over the last 10 years. It's been a slow change, but there, there is a little bit more value being placed on the welders and the pipe fitters and the, you know, electricians of the world, if you will. Um, that, that's been very well uh, noticed over the last 10 years, especially in the manufacturing side. This is trying to be a renaissance on the construction world, but... Um, that's good. Uh, is there, you know, is, is that part of the, the plan, I guess, is to kind of keep that sustainability going? Is there a reason that the, you know, the trades and, you know, the scholarships go for that? Do you know, do you know the, the history behind that, I guess? So, no, that's exactly what it is. You hit, um, you know, hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, we think it's crucial to help that next generation continue into our industry. Um, Oil and gas is not, you know, as much as some people would like it to go away, it's not going to. It is a necessity in our world. Um, We have to have it. We're very um, environmentally safe compared to a lot of other industries because we're so scrutinized. Uh, We have to be. So, but yeah, that's exactly it. And the trade schools, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm 30 years old. I did go to college because it was jammed down my throat all through high school and even junior high that... You have to go to college. That's the only way to be successful. And I've, I have found in my career um, several of my buddies who went the trade school routes are doing very well. They've got, um, 
you know, great jobs. Industries need them. Uh, they really have a lot of job security, and I think it's important that we support the trade school side. Uh, pipe fitters, welders, electricians, um, everything that you listed we have to have. And I, I think my generation, we lacked a lot in the trade school side. I mean, you can see it on job sites where um, a lot of your, you know, uh, specialty guys are, are older in that next generation than I am because our generation – like you said, there was a kind of a, a stigmatism with it, and I think it's completely shifted. Um, you can come out of college now owing eighty thousand dollars in student loans to have an entry level job making thirty eight grand a year, where you can go into a trade school and go to school for two years while getting paid to do it, and then come out making six figure money whenever you're twenty one years old. So, um, I, absolutely, I mean that's where our mindset is. is yes, to kind of help groom and create that next generation of oil and gas uh, to help our industry continue its growth, you know, long after we're all out of it. I would think it'd be a good idea just to get the pipeliners together, just to get on the same page when it comes to some of these federal bans and just this uh, kind of this this new public relations war on pipelines right now. It's um, it's seems like it'd be a good time. You know what I mean? To get people together, to kind of get on the, get kind of a plan going, because it's a whole different mindset now out there, what's going on, you know, different leadership in the White House, and it's, you know, you got, they're kind of leading the charge on the whole deal, so um, I don't know if you're thinking about that at all, but I I know that's probably, at least in some of your meetings, et cetera. Do you guys do meetings, I guess? Talk to me a little bit about your organization. Yeah, yes, sir. So, um, and to touch on your, you know, on your first point, um, yes, that is one thing I like about this organization is, you know, we do work with our local political leaders here. Okay. Um, we've got a huge, uh, you know, San Antonio chapter, an even bigger one in uh, in Houston and Oklahoma. So really, we are quite a large organization as a whole. Now, I just represent the Permian Basin chapter, but. Um, but yeah, I mean that's something that our presidents of each chapter work on. We do have um, a gentleman in ours, uh, Silver Vasquez, who he's kind of our political um, person, as I like to say it. He works a lot uh, with the political outreach um, on the behalf of our organization, and he goes to Austin and he's met with a lot of legislators and uh, you know gives us that voice at that next level. So I mean that is something we've seen firsthand being in the Permian Basin and in the industry that, like you said, we've had a lot of changes um, in the White House, a lot of different, you know, feelings toward oil and gas. And um, now more than ever is the time where, yeah, we have to kind of band together and, and show this industry is not going anywhere. We're uh, needed. We, you know, we do things correctly. And um, yeah, honestly, that's exactly you know one of the things I like the most about this organization when I got involved with it three years ago. My new thing with some of the protesters, I got one of my backyard neighbors is a big protester. Um, she travels all over the country to uh, go protest against pipelines. So you can imagine we get along real well. I like wearing my crude life clothing in the backyard when I'm out with my dog. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> not, not that I'm a pot stir or anything like that, but uh, my, my thing that I like to ask her whenever she brings it up, I just, I just ask, 
why are you protesting the new pipelines? Why are you not protesting that the old pipelines get replaced? And then the look on their face is they don't even know how to respond. They have absolutely no idea how to respond. And because that's my argument is that, listen, pipelines are, are not only critical infrastructure, they're the safest means to transport energy. So I'm not even going to get engaged with your silly nonsense. But if you do want to protest and exert that energy, we got bridges and we got roads and we got pipelines that do need to be replaced. So if you're so focused on the pipelines, the, the bridges and roads need help too. But okay, if you're focused on the pipelines, we got all kinds of pipelines that need to be replaced. They need you know new ones in and everything else. And so if you want tax dollars to go to that, I'm sure the oil companies would love it. Oh man, she gets pissed. She leaves. She can't even deal with it. Oh, it's so fun. Just so fun for me. Anyway. <laughs> well, no, it's a, no, go ahead. No, yeah, no, I was going to say, you're exactly right. Um, I can't remember what the numbers were. We had um, last year, uh, one of our meetings in 2020, one of the few ones we were able to do, we were talking about, you know, just shutting down one major pipeline from here to Houston, how much it would increase traffic, the cost, uh, you know, the safety of all the people on the road. It would be that, that many more tankers and, uh, trucks on the road and the cost of it would be a lot higher than the pipeline. Uh, so it is critical. I don't know why a lot of people can't wrap their head around that and, and see the value of it. Um, I've been on several pipeline jobs. I've, I've seen them when they're completed. Most of the time, I mean, you can't even tell they're there. They're reseated. They're, you know, I mean, they're out of sight, out of mind type of deal where we would have thousands and thousands of more trucks on the road daily. Um, which would obviously create thousands more accidents, fatalities, uh, things like that. So it, it, I'm right there with you. It kind of blows my mind that people can't wrap their head around the significance of, of the pipelines and, and why they're needed. Um, so, Well, that's, that's one of the reasons why we appreciate all the support that you, you, know, you give us uh, by coming on the program and, of course, support of our sponsors and everything else because we are existential energy here. We like to take a step back and have some rational conversations. We like to have fun. We like to work hard, too. But at the same time, you know, we, we are not going to allow the, the climate shamers and the social shapers to totally take over the narrative anymore. And I'm at the point now where I'm going to start challenging some of these uh, climate activists to show me how the wind turbines are actually more green than pipelines. I'm really serious now. And, and where I got this idea is I was reading a story this morning, a new story. There's not too many of these stories. They're hard to find, actually, which is remarkable because these wind turbines are a real issue. And the story that I was reading was about the California condor. Now, the California condor is almost extinct, okay, because of these wind turbines. They've been killing the condor left and right. The, the uh, golden eagle is almost totally extinct in the southwest because of the wind turbines. But the California condor has gotten to the point to where the oil and gas companies, I'm sorry, the energy companies, because there's a couple oil and gas companies that have wind turbines, uh, they, they have to uh, breed the California condors now. So they got to get into wildlife management business now because these wind turbines are, are killing so many of these California condors. Well, then that, of course, it spilled into my thought about uh, Casper, Wyoming, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Des Moines, Iowa, where those city governments have said no more wind turbines because what they're doing 
is they have to, these wind turbines are so big, they got to saw them into three separate uh, uh, sizes so they can ship them to these three cities, these only three cities in the U.S. that I'm aware of, that allow the landfills to take these wind turbines. Well, because there have to be wind, um, they have to be earthquake resistant and hurricane resistant and all these resistance to the elements, they're made indestructible and they cannot be uh, recycled very easy. So all they're doing is burying them. They're just burying them, which is worse than a pipeline for crying out loud. It's worse than a pipeline, but it's the same thing. They're just burying it. So rather than protest the pipelines, which are actually making the planet greener by bringing automobiles and and trucks off the road and everything else, I don't even see how these wind turbines are, are becoming green the more and more I dissect it. So I'm sorry I got on my soapbox there, but boy, man, it just, this wind energy and just the push and the ramrod is, is really getting to me. It's really getting to me because we're losing liberties and a ton of money in our pocketbook every single day that it continues. So um, I don't even think I had a question in there, Derek Clark. <laughs> oh, hey, it's no problem, bud. You're preaching to the choir there. I, uh, well, a good example, you know, in Texas last week uh, or the week before, we had a crazy Arctic blast come through and all of these, uh, you know, solar and wind, they weren't, I mean, they weren't able to produce any type of electricity needed. They were, you know, froze up, covered in snow. And I mean, Texas almost lost our whole power grid almost went down. Um, and if not for the pipeline still running that natural gas, there's a lot of homes that would have been without heat. Um, a lot of way. I mean, it, I mean, the list goes on and on. I'm with you. Um, I don't think the wind energy sector is near as green near as as green as as they propose it to be. Um, In theory, it sounds good, but like you said, what do we do with these things that are almost indestructible? Uh, You can't recycle them out. Uh, They're not, it's not a perfect way. There's nothing perfect in our world, but pipeline, obviously, in my opinion, is the, the best way to move our energy and continue to be greener than what people assume it is. I mean, I've I'm with you. I can't wrap my head around some of the thoughts and I'm very active on social media and LinkedIn and Facebook and just, it's crazy. There are thousands and thousands of people who are dead set that oil and gas just, you know, I mean, needs to go away and that we don't need it. And, uh, I, I mean, I, it just blows my mind. I'm with you hundred percent. And, and you're right. It is very expensive on our tax dollars to be spent on this for it to be a minimal return. You know, that money could be used in a lot a lot different ways, a lot better ways. Um, you know, that would produce a much better return for all of our tax dollars. Make sure you thank your president for coming on during that week of crisis. Um, it was great that we were able to get access to uh, the people that we did from the governor's office all the way down to, you know, Representative Brooks Landgraf and uh, your president as well, and even some people that uh, didn't have water and power. I mean, we were making sure we had as many bases covered as possible. And the, I'll tell you, the, the, the real story, actually, to me, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories, okay? And, and they're, all, they're, they're all actual, probably legit stories. But the one that really, to me, is, is the story that should be talked about and is not, is really how natural gas saved the day. How natural gas stepped up and was the only 
one that was able to. And what I mean by that is coal and, and, and crude oil, they could have, but the policies over the last 10, 15, 20 years haven't, didn't allow that. The wind and solar, they're not even close to being in a place where they could, they, they could be reliable during a winter storm for a variety of reasons. The only one that really was able to be with the policies in place and the infrastructure in place and the supply was natural gas. And the fact that they're even demonized or the fact that that has not even been sterilely pointed out by the leadership in the media is beyond me, is absolutely beyond me. Do you disagree with my analysis on that or, or do you see it a different way? No, I mean, I agree 100%. Like you said, that was the only thing that really... Um, you know, due to the storm, I know we don't get storms like that, luckily, very often in Texas, but um, all across the country, you know, I mean, there's, there's, especially up north, y'all get a lot of that all the time, and natural gas was the only thing that was able to, and uh, and, I, and yes, it, it's still, even though natural gas was, you know, saving the day, like you said, you don't see it or hear about it in the media, it's not portrayed in a positive light, um, if it's oil and gas, then it's not good. I mean, that's all you hear. And, and that starts at the White House down. I mean, we all know their policies when it comes to oil and gas and uh, and how different it was from Trump's. But anyway, no, I I could go off on, on that tangent with you for, for quite a while here, but that's definitely something that um, upsets me as well. I mean, there's a lot of hard work, a lot of hardworking men and women out here who you know, sacrifice time with their families. Um, it's not an easy industry to work in. Um, it's not uncommon for me to get a phone call at 1 a.m. because a piece of machinery went down on a drilling rig, and, and now we've got to get a service mechanic out there or, or, or another unit on the road heading out there or whatever it may be. So it's it's a hard industry to work in. Like you said, it's a work-hard, play-hard mentality. And uh, um I'm definitely hooked on it. I won't be leaving the oil and gas industry. I, I thoroughly enjoy it, but I don't think a lot of people who are, aren't in the industry see that and see what it actually takes to keep that heat in the houses and to keep the fuel coming out of the pumps and everything else that they benefit from. You know why that is, and, and my opinion, and this dawned on me during my presentation in Dickinson, North Dakota last week during the API meeting. I was the featured speaker, and... I did not have this in my notes, but I said it in the moment. And actually, I said it three times because I, 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 I said it. And then I repeated it for myself because I wanted to make sure that I, I remembered I said it. And then I repeated it for a third time because I wanted to make sure the audience remembered it, right? So it, it, I'm sure in the moment it looked like I was on skip or I lost my train of thought or whatever the case might be. But I was having one of those in-the-moment processing moments, you know, or times, experiences. And what it was is that the oil and gas worker, when they get up, they get excited to go to work because at the end of the day, it's purposeful work. When they turn the light switch on, they understand their contribution to the world. When they see somebody driving in the car and having the time of their life, they subconsciously or consciously see that when when they see the gas furnace go on and the heat and everything that they feel a part of that and when you have work that has purpose it's a totally different ball game than you know 
somebody who's just, you know, doing data entry all day or just, you know, going or I remember somebody who worked in retail, they said it was the worst experience of their life because they, they just felt like there was no purpose to, to work at Bed Bath & Beyond. And I just started laughing like, yeah, I can see your point on that, you know? Like, so I don't know if, you're, if you have any comments on that, but I do think there is such purposeful work behind the oil and gas industry that, that that's really such a subconscious driver for them every day. And I think it's actually used against us, honestly. Because the uh, uh, the climate activists know that regardless, we're going to get up and work no matter what. We're going to do it. We're we're we're, we're going to support their ability to protest by giving them power. Look at that, huh? Boy, I I'm, I'm telling you, you uh, man, I, man, you're on a roll today, bud. I I agree with that. It, it's a very prideful industry. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, keep in mind, pride pride is one of the seven deadly sins. So we got to, you know, we we, we got to be careful about that. We we get we got to be careful about pride and passion. And um, we used to joke in the back when I was when I was uh, doing some Sunday school stuff. I'd be like, we take pride in pride because <laughs> you know it's just because <laughs> we obviously we don't mean it as a as one of the seven deadly sins. But at the same time, we were warned that it can be a slippery slope. And, you know, when you mix in some herd mentality and other things, other things, it, it, you see how it can happen. But um, I wanted to transition quick back to the event because I'm looking at the clock and I know we both got uh, a, a day ahead of us here. Um, I, I did want to come down to your event and uh, bring my recording equipment. Do you think some people down there would want to tell their stories and kind of talk about why they have purpose and, you know, that sort of thing? Or do you think that people wouldn't want to... To have stories about we're going to be sitting around all day is what I'm getting at, you know. So it, it, it might ease the boredom. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I um, I don't I don't think that would be a problem at all. I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know. As we were just kind of talking about it. I mean, a lot of people are proud of what they do, um, and they see how it benefits, and, and 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 they know the sacrifices that they have to make for their families and. You know, they're out here two weeks on, two weeks off, or, you know, whatever the schedule or the hitches may be, but birthdays are missed, holidays are missed, anniversaries are missed. Um, and like you said, for us to provide that power for people to turn around and protest us for it. So I think there would be, you know, several people that would want to say a few words, um, okay. I mean, about what what drives them every day. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it'd be interesting to hear because, I mean, we're all driven by different things. Everybody's got their own... Uh, you know, mentality about things. So I think it could be interesting to see what, you know, what you come up with on that. Well, if, if there's a card table for me down there, I'm certainly I can bring my recording equipment and we can uh, do some live recordings there from the, uh, from the cook-off and et cetera. And then, uh, of course, put those out through the platform and the program and kind of kind of carry the message through and through. In fact, uh, our Bach and Barbecue from last June – or it would have been last August, I guess, because of COVID, we had to bump it back two months. Um, boy, some people were just commenting on the um, YouTube videos this last weekend. And I thought, that's great, because when, when you can do these kind of timeless interviews, and in the Bakken, our interviews that we did were on how oil and gas builds community. So a lot of times politics is like sports, where you you have timelines on stuff, you know, and a bill passes. Nobody really wants to listen to anybody talk about that bill anymore. But when, 
you know, and then same thing in sports. When the Cowboys play the Texans, nobody wants to listen to the coach talk about that the week later, you know, type of a thing. But when you're talking about how oil and gas builds communities or how uh, a worker gets up and feels a sense of purpose in the morning in the industry, that stuff transcends time. That stuff is good stuff that people like to listen to. And so that was where my mind was a little bit more of, of that. I know you guys get active at times, and I just kind of went on my soapbox a little bit, but I think some people might appreciate more of those uh, human relation stories, if you will. I was a magazine publisher for like 20 years, so I know that there is an audience out there for it. But um, anyway, I'm just, I'm just rambling now, man. Huh. No, I think it's I think it's great, man. Like I said, I think it'd be very interesting, uh, you know, to see what kind of feedback you get from it. And uh, I think there would be a lot of different people from different industries within our industry, or I guess uh, different sectors within our industry that you'd be able to speak with, uh, from operators to uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be some drilling, uh, you know, you know, people on the upstream side, midstream side, um, all the way around. So I think you'd have a very uh, easy way to get a bunch of different diverse people there with different answers and different attitudes about it. So I think, it, I think it'd work out well. In summary, Derek Clark with Ermian Basin Association of Pipeliners, as well as Epic Solutions. Let's talk, um, give the details one last time for the cook-off happening March 11th. Go ahead and let's uh, kind of run down. Do you have the sponsors available? Make sure you mention the sponsors too, because you know, they, 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 you know, that part of what they want is some extra exposure. And we here at the Crude Life are all about letting events mention their sponsors for crying out loud. That way you can turn around and say, see, we gave you more value for your buck. You know, that sort of thing. So I don't know if you got them handy or not, but uh, make sure you mention, you know, some of the sponsors and et cetera, if you can. Well, and I don't have the list in front of me. Um, so Shelby Flat, she is our actual event coordinator, and I work hand in hand with her. Um, on the events, but she's the one who actually has the completed list right now. Um, and we actually have a phone call scheduled at the end of today to go over that list. So I don't have the updated list in front of me. Um, I do know some of the sponsors on the operator side are, uh, which listed on the, on our recent flyer, energy transfer, enterprise, new star, Epic, uh, good night, midstream, Atmos Energy, uh, Three Bear Energy. Um, I believe Oxy is going to be out there and has sponsored a few things for us. And uh, but as far as the actual list of the teams and, and booths, I don't have the updated one quite yet. I should hopefully have that at the end of today. Um, but no, man. I mean, I, I appreciate your time and and for letting me come on and, and speak about it and helping us get it. Uh, you know, getting the information out there. And I definitely look forward to meeting you next week when you come down. Looking at your poster right now, and yeah, I'm glad. Energy Transfer, Atmos Energy, Goodnight Midstream, Epic, New Star Energy, Enterprise Products. But you mentioned it's dynamic, so by the end of this interview, there might be more added to it. So, uh, you know, without leaving anybody out. But Cooking Teams, 500 bucks. Drink Sponsor, 500 bucks. Booth Sponsor, 1,000. VIP Access Sponsorship, 2,000 bucks. Contact Derek Clark. Or what was the name of the other gal that's running it? Uh, Shelby Flat. Shelby Flat. Okay, and I apologize if Gal was insensitive. I'm a little bit old. <laughs> I'm finding out. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you didn't offend me, and I'm, I'm sure it didn't offend her. She's an uh, awesome young lady to work with. She's a big part of our uh, 
organization. We set up uh, monthly meetings. I know earlier you had asked, so we do meet once a month, uh, usually at dinner, the third Thursday of every month, and then once a quarter we'll be having events. Um, so this, you know, our first event is going to be um, our cook-off. We've got a, um, a clay shoot scheduled. We've got a golf tournament scheduled, um, a team roping event scheduled, and then we'll do our end-of-year Christmas party. But basically once a quarter we'll also have uh, some sort of fundraising event um, where we can get everybody together, have a good time. Uh, this is our first one of the year. This will be the cook-off. Um, and then I believe our next one for second quarter is going to be the golf tournament. Um, so, but no, I mean, we do get together once a month. We're open to the public for any questions. You can reach out to me directly, um, you know, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm all over that. You can always find me on that. Shoot me a message or give me a call, you know, whatever's easiest. And I can fill, uh, I can fill everybody in on the details of it. Awesome. Well, thank you much. We'll see you next Thursday. I'll be down there heading my heading your way. So we'll see you next Thursday, sir. Awesome, but I look forward to it. And again, I appreciate your time.